0: Well, I'm thankful I I grew up in a Christian home. If you're a child here tonight, or a young person, you ought to thank God if you're in a Christian home. It's not something that you should take lightly, and it's something that's not the norm. And a lot of kids, or, or even teenagers, don't get to grow up in a Christian home. And I'm so thankful that I grew up in a Christian home. But just because you grow up in a Christian home doesn't make you Christian just because you grow up in a Christian home doesn't mean you know what God's will is for your life. Just because you're in a Christian home doesn't mean you're living for God. And doesn't mean that there's things that are still hard to understand, or maybe things that are contrary, even at times, to the Word of God. And so each and every one of us, as we mentioned this morning, are going to stand before God. And we're going to stand before God, not for mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, cousin, uncle, grandma, grandpa. We're going to stand before God for ourselves. And because of that, uh, it's a matter that there's a day that you should know that you became a Christian, and there's a day that you should know that you're following God's will for your life, and th- there's a day that you should know that you're doing the things that are according to the Word of God and continuing that pattern in our life. And I would say when I was growing up that it's a matter that I wondered, how can I know God's will for my life from the Word of God? And I thought, boy, it's... It's interesting to hear these others say that, and even have parents to say that they knew God's will from the Word of God, and to uh, hear others state that they knew what God would have for them because of the Word of God, but then when I started looking in the Word of God, I was searching for, you know, the job, the spouse, the college, you know, just life. Where do you see that in the Word of God? It's not spelled out for you, but name or place or location, uh, where and what, but there is something I was missing, you know, they... The old adage goes, You can miss the forest for the trees. And I was consumed with finding what and where when I needed to be consumed with who. I was missing the who of Scripture. I was looking for the what and where and what, what was God's will for my life and where should I be, but I needed to be more consumed with who. And who I'm talking about is Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, The closer I got to the senior year of college, uh, it was a matter that I wondered, you know, as as the days got closer to graduating, who I was going to marry. And uh, my focus was was on, you know, who I was attracted to and who had talents, who had abilities, and who I enjoyed being with. And God has been so gracious to me to give me those things, but it's a matter that, uh, and, and much more, and I married up, for sure. If you know my wife, I married up. And even though she's short, but I still, I still married up. But anyways. But you know, the moments that I realized that my wife was the one were the moments that I started putting God first. I want to show you a passage of Scripture that, I, that really helped me with this. And just this one example, I just want to show you this. I believe it will help tie in some other things tonight. But would you turn with me to Genesis 2, Verse 21. And I, this is a passage of Scripture that many of us are familiar with, but I've never quite seen it this way before. And I'm sharing with you a little, a little more personal testimony than what I normally would, uh, but trying to bring a point across here and where I'm headed with this matter of, of really following God and, and, and seeing I mean, what I'm entitled tonight, the next generation to come getting to God and the way that they can get to God, and the way that we can be getting to God on a daily basis. And so with this matter of marriage, I, I, I had to come to this conclusion, and uh, even looking for a spouse or wondering how it was going to happen, I needed to put God first in my life, and this is just my personal testimony. And, and uh, so what helped me with this decision was the realization of what happened with Adam. In Genesis 2, verse 21, it says, "...and the Lord God caused a deep sleep." to fall upon Adam. And if you're in college, you you look for any reason to get sleep. But notice, the Lord did this. It wasn't just him looking looking for a reason to sleep. It's a matter of the Lord did this. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, this is God doing this, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man. No, woman, I'm sorry. Because she was taken out of man. Would you notice with me though, this is Adam at rest with God. Spending time with God. And him alone. And then who brings her to him? God did. And I think we... Miss it because we do just as I did growing up. I'm looking for the what and I'm looking for the where. And I missed who. I need to be consumed with Christ first. I needed to be putting my attention on Christ and making sure he was supreme. And be consumed with him. You know, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first, we know this. And Psalms 37, 4, delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give thee desires in the heart. What are we to do though? We're to delight ourselves in the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. So it's it's not as if God wants to keep desires that we have from us, but He wants Him to be the desire first and foremost. We need to make sure that our desire is first and foremost, that He receives the the precedence, the most attention, then, and only then, will God fill in the blanks the rest of our life. Can I ask you this evening, would you ask this question with me? How can we get the generation that is coming up, which we notice in verse 4, generation to come, and verse 6, the generation to come, how can we get them to know God? How can they not start looking for the who and the, or excuse me, the what and the where, and miss it because of who? Getting more in touch with Jesus than the visual of looking for someone or something. How do we do this? Would you notice with me, first of all, tonight, we need to have We need to be set on having hope in God. We need to be set on having hope in God. How do we get the generation to come to get to God? We need to, number one, be set on having hope in God. Verse 7 of Psalm 78. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. To be set on something. You're doing it right now. You're sitting on a pew, and you're you're set. You're in place. It's a matter that you put yourself there. You're a representation of yourself right there in the pew. And you've, you've given yourself to come tonight. You decided on purpose to be here. You had a strong desire, hopefully, to be here, and that's why you're here. And it's a matter that you put a plan into action. How do we set hope in God? You know, there's not a person in this room tonight, I don't believe, that wants to have hope in God and desires to have hope in God. But how can we be set in such a way that we're toward God, almost bent toward Him? And that what God has for our life is what we want. The next generation, how can they do this? How can they have hope in God? What happens when Psalms 42 comes in their life? Would you turn there with me, please? Psalms 42, what happens... When this comes into their life, what does the hope of God really look like when we say that? Oh, hey, just hope in God. Okay, what does that mean? Because this says to set our hope in God, and next generation, we want some things, to desire, have, have some things take place in our life that carries over into the next generation, the generation to come, which we see in Psalm 78. How does this happen? And Psalm 42 talks much about hope in God. I hope you'll, um, not mind, but we're going to read these verse, all these verses in this chapter here. And I hope you'll notice a common thread here that it continues to say hope in God, but things aren't going so well. And by the way, you and I know very well that life brings us problems and trials and struggles and difficulties. Psalms 42 as the heart panted at the water, brooks so panteth my soul after the O God, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, "Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in, him with, or disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember Thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep of the noise of Thy water spouts. All Thy ways and Thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I in mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope? Thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Can I tell you this evening the only way that hope is going to go to the next generation is if they see us have hope in God ourselves, no matter what comes. You say, oh, name it out for me. Would you, the, the, the struggle, the, the, the trouble, the trial, the, the problem that comes my way, and, and how I'm to hope in God and, and show me what that looks like? I don't know what it is. I have no idea what's to come to your life. By the way, if somebody tells you what's coming in your life and they're psychiatrist, you better just take, get some distance and start walking away, probably. Here's the thing none of us know what, what tomorrow might bring, none of us know what, what it's going to be like. We have no idea, and it's awfully easy to stand here and, and say hope in God. But you know what? When we're faced with that trial right face to face in front of our face, and we have the difficulty that we didn't expect, and, and, and the death of a loved one or, or, or something comes into our life, you know, that we're not expecting at all, then what do we do? Well, then we're really truly tested of where our hope is. And if we're, whether we are just saying hope in God, okay, or really taking it to heart. And it's gone from head knowledge and made it down to our, to our heart. And the way we know this is, would you, would you notice with me, if you would, and back to Psalm 78, to hope in God and to be set in, in hope in God and, and have hope in God, you know, hope needs to be in the Lord. And we have hope for all kinds of other things in our life, but hope in God is most critical. Well, I love the practicality of Scripture. And the practicality of Scripture is outstanding. If we're not careful, we, we see that it's so simple that we just keep on going. And we'll overlook these things, and I hope that some of these things that I bring out tonight out of Scripture, that are, one, bringing them out properly, two, that, that they're going to help to you, and they're a help to me. They've already been so, and I'm asking God to help me with them even now. And it's a matter that we're talking about the generation to come. And it's a matter that, Notice with me, if you would, if if our hope is set in God, would you notice when they back up to verse 4 of Psalm 78? We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength. Can we stop just there? And Number one, I said we need to have our... Heart, We need to be set on on hoping after God and and in our heart to do that and and making sure that it's not just something we're saying, but something that we really are hoping in God, and we're tested when the difficult time comes. But this is how we know. Letter A, real simple. Praises, not pouting. Praises. To show praises and not pout. You know, I noticed something in this verse It says that his works are wonderful. His wonderful works. I wonder what you, what you deem as wonderful. Boy, that's wonderful. I've tasted that, that's wonderful. I've, I've gone there, it's wonderful, let me tell you about it. And you name it, whatever it might be. But you know what you're doing? You're praising that place or that person or, or that thing that you've, that you've had. You know why? Because you think it's wonderful. The Bible says this, his, his wonderful works that he hath done. You know what? I, wonder, I just wonder tonight, how wonderful do people that you and I are around think of our God because of how we talk about him? Do they hear us talk about him? How well do we speak of brothers and sisters in Christ? Do they hear us talk about them? And how do, we, how do they hear us talk about them? What's the picture that we're painting of, of the child of God to the unsaved world? Pastor said this many times, that if you want to know what a Christian is supposed to be like, ask the unsaved. I don't know about you, but I feel as if sometimes, and I'm sure I fall into this category at times, that we, if not careful, can hurt the cause of Christ and not help it. And so we need to be set on having hope in God So much so that it's a matter that we're not pouting, but we're praising. We're talking about wonderful works that He hath done. Let me tell you about my God. Have you heard about my God? And then go on and on into praising our God. By the way, it shouldn't take long for us to think about what God has done for us. And how great God is to us and for us. And what He's continuing to do in our life. And how He's at work in our life. Is this real to you? Is this real to me? Is this a matter that we just kind of talk about it? Or is it a matter that, that we are praising truly after God? You know, any group of people that, that should respond right should be Christian. Any group of people that, that sh- it should be very hard to offend, it should be a Christian. So where do you get this stuff from? How can you say that? Well, Psalms one nineteen one sixty four 164 says this, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Notice with me, please. Hear this. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I don't know about you, but already thus far, in in these verses even, I see something that that is thrust into these verses over and over again, it's talking about our love for the Bible. And if I love the Word of God so much so, I'm going to be hard-pressed to get offended. You say, you don't know what someone's done to to me. Okay, well, it continues to say, I've kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. God knows. Can I say this tonight? The less that you are in the Word of God, the more you will be offended. The less you are in the Word of God, the more you will be offended. You're kind of telling on yourself when you're offended that, uh, well, there's a need for the Bible. Now, you want to be a difficult person and be offended. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. I don't know about you, but I, this is pouting. This is not praise, wonderful works. But but God. But let me let me let me say there's nothing we need to drag God into. We need to keep problems, a matter of going to God with them and not make God the problem. It's it's important that we that we be careful in a way of of, of the pouting that just can automatically creep in if we're not careful. And this goes for all of us, it goes for me, it goes for anyone. You say, well, you don't, you don't know who said what. Or, see, that's why, why I should be able to say whatever I, I can say to someone, and they should not be offended. Wait a second. The Bible says this, that we're not to cause difficulty or be an offensive type person. In Romans fourteen nineteen, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, or anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Praise, not pouting. This evening I wonder, are you, are you known for negativity? Am I known for negativity? Are we known for negativity? Is there people that you see them coming and, oh man, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? What I notice here in this is showing to the generation to come praises of the Lord. Praises of the Lord. What kind of praises? Well, let me tell you about His wonderful works that He hath done. In verse 4, He established a testimony in Jacob. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's, it's a matter that the Bible says this, the goodness of God, goodness, not badness. Not, there's no wickedness. There's no wrong. There's no pouting. It's the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance. I don't know about you, but the goodness of God runs rampant. If you just think about it. And you can look at a glass, as we, as we know, half full or half empty. My parents used to say it this way, and I guess we've carried it on to our own children. If you can't say something nice, then just don't say it at all. And that's, that's some good advice. And I, I know that we want generation coming behind us. We're talking about the generation to come. We want them to, to have God look appealing to them. And we want them to have God in their life. Well, you know what? The better we make God look in our life, the better chance they'll have of taking God for their life. And so it's a matter that, and I want, I want them to know that, that God is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of being praised. And I don't want them to think that my God is not a mighty, strong God. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you, for me. Nothing at all. And uh, so I see this, this matter, the goodness of God. And, and boy, I tell you what, it's, it's wonderful to serve God. It is just wonderful to serve God. And I want, if, if there's a, a dream and desire in my heart, and I'm sure it's been in your, many of your hearts, it's a dream and desire to see children come to serve the same God we, we are serving. And to serve the Lord with their life. And to, to find themselves in, in a matter of whatever God has for them. You know, all of us can be full-time serving God. Not all of us get a chance to be full-time ministry, but we can all, all be full-time ministering and being full-time servants for God. What's a wonderful thing to serve God. It's wonderful to live for God and see people living for Christ. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when we're not careful, we can get caught up in the drudgery of whatever it might be. And we must bring ourselves back to delight in His will and to delight in what God has for us. Paul said it this way, 1 Timothy 1, 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Notice with me, would would you, verse 5. Verse 5, would you please? Verse 5, he established a testimony. The testimony of God is being given here. Given so that it would be made known to their children. What is the testimony that we're talking about? The testimony that is given here we'll find in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Would you turn there with me please? Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you're still with me, you'll you'll be turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6, otherwise I'm gonna think that you're asleep. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Not that many pages turning. I'm scared. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Got the iPhones and all that, so that's why. That's why I'm I'm gonna think positive about this. I'm gonna think about that glass half full, not half empty here. What I just talked about. Deuteronomy 6, this is what uh, testimony and what they were given. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments of the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life that thy days may be prolonged. That's interesting. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. It may be well with thee that you may be increased mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Jump down with me if you would to verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them, excuse me, verse 9. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. Verse 17. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He hath commanded thee, and thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that He may be well, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers. This all ties back into Psalm seventy-eight. This is the testimony that was given to them, and if they were to, that they are to live by, and they are to challenge their own children to say, "Hey." One one generation after the next generation. If you notice with me, Psalm 78, it says this in verse 6, the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who, who should arise and declare them to their children. We got one generation to the next generation to the next generation carrying on here, but they're only going to be able to arise and declare whatever is instilled into their life. I have to think about this, and sometimes I... I um, get caught in this thought that if we just didn't have the Word of God, what would it be like? Because we're so privileged. I mean, I I don't even know how many copies of the Word of God I have. And some have yet to receive the Word of God. I'm thankful for bringing Bible publishing. I'm thankful for ministries like that. But, you know, I I have to think about it in a way of, of, of this that... We have the word of God and then if we did not have the word of God I wonder how much of the word of God would make it to the next generation based upon our memorization. Based upon what we know of the word of God. How much would make it to the next generation? Based upon our time in the Bible. What are we going to declare? What are we going to arise to tell other other people? Not just children, but their children and their children and their children one generation to the next. How's it going to take place? Whatever we instill into their life. By the way, whatever we emphasize, whatever they hear you repeat over and over again, you know, they're tired of hearing you with whatever it is. Well, hopefully it's a matter that it's not just, hey, be quiet. Hey, go to your room. But it's a matter of, this is what the Bible says. And it's a matter that that this this is something that's good for you, and this is something that can help you. Let me show you what the Bible says in a generation to come. We can only lead someone as far as we are in the Bible and in the Scripture. See, each one of us, if there's anything desired today to get across, is each one of us should have spiritual children. We should have spiritual children. There should be people that if you were to start to make a list, you could make a list that that these are some people I believe God is using me to influence in their life. These are the people that I'm trying to to really show the way of God to them. There should be people that we're influencing spiritually on purpose, each one of us in our life right now, not just our own children, although that ought to be where we start. But there should be other spiritual grandchildren and spiritual children, and we should be reproducing ourselves as Christians. It should be a matter that that we have disciples that are making disciples of Christ, and it doesn't just happen by accident. It happens on purpose, and it's a matter that this is how it gets to the next generation. You say, man, I really want it to get to the next generation, then what are you and I doing about it? How How are we carrying it on to them? What are they getting from us? Do they want our God? Or they see us pouting all the time. They see us praising Him? Well, then they might want Him. They see us pouting about what what He's allowed in our life. I can't tell you, over the last month, this one question has come more more than I can even tell you. How could God do this to me? How could He send people to hell? How could He he do these type things to me? And these are from young people. I'm talking teenagers. I'm talking people that, that had their life ahead of them. Boy, it concerns me. That it's not gener- that the generation to come is not going to have anything to do with God. Well, it could well be that we got to look back right now where we're at and say, what kind of God are we giving them? What kind of God are we presenting? What does God look like to them because they see God in our life? And, and God is helping me with this matter. And let her let her be not only. Letter A, what I just mentioned to you, in a matter of showing praises and not pouting, but letter B, we need to show God's strength, not not weakness. By the way, God is not weak. But if we're not careful, we will portray Him as weak. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this show the generation to come the praise of the Lord and His strength. Verse 4, His strength. His strength. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 5 and 10, for sake of time, we won't turn there, but I encourage you maybe later on this evening to, to, turn, to look at those, that passage of Scripture, and it tells you how to respond through trial, and respond through false accusation, and respond through ridicule. And here's the thing, in verse 9, I'll just um, read you verse 9, of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it says this, And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But we must ask ourselves, and we're faced with difficulty that comes our way, and people say things that are false, or people ridicule, or, or the trial has come our way. Okay, God, you're putting me through this right now, and I'm not pointing a finger at you, this is your fault. No, I'm not doing that. I'm saying, God, I need your help so that you get glory from this still, somehow. I wonder how often, and I know I have not asked myself often enough God, how can I give you glory through this problem? How can you get glory through this? I want to ask you tonight what's the next generation perceiving of our God? I mean, the generation do they look at? The next generation. The you know the little the little ones and out of the, out of the mouth of babes they, that you that you hear all the all the funny words and all the all the different things that come up and and the laughter that that comes at times and and the tears that come and the whines and all that but you know what aside from all that kids are being the, the kids what do they know about God because we're a Christian we go to church just because I grew up in a Christian home didn't make me Christian just because I. I I knew my parents knew God's will, didn't know I knew God's will for my life. I had to search the Scriptures. The Scriptures had to become real to me. And it's a matter that it goes for all of us that way. And so it's a matter that we need to to make sure that God is appealing. What does God look like to to others? Would you notice with me, and lastly tonight, if not, then this is what happens. Verse 8. It might not be, as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that's set not. Tonight we started off in a matter of how does the generation to come get to God? Well, we have to have our hearts set on on having hope in God. And notice what happens. If you don't have your heart set on having hope in God, then you'll have a heart that's really set not it says this, it says, Set not their heart aright. Verse 8, a generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So, in other words, what it, what it even goes on to say in verse 35 and 37 they remembered God, or excuse me, they remembered that God was their rock and a high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in His covenant. They had seen God work. But you know what's missing here? They're not steadfast. In other words, what we would say this way in our vernacular, consistency. Being consistent. If there's anything we can be consistent in, what are we to be consistent in? Well, it says the Spirit. Their spirit was not steadfast with God. I wonder tonight, what is our spirit like? Verse 8, it says, And might not be, as their fathers are stubborn, and rebellious generation. Are you known for stubbornness? Are you known for being rebellious? My way or the highway? What are you known for? Or are you known for, like David said, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me? A right spirit God, give me a right spirit. John 4, 23 and 24 says this, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He seeks such as to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I see both of those take place in these passages of scripture here. In verse 8 and verse 37, it says, Their spirit was not steadfast with God. In verse 37, they, they were not steadfast in his covenant. What's the covenant? Truth. They're not steadfast in their spirit, they're not steadfast in the word of God and the covenant. What does it do? It presents falsehood. I don't want to be a Christian. That's what Christian looks like. Why should I be that? Oh, they knew God worked for them. They had a and the high God, their Redeemer. But nevertheless, they did flatter Him with their mouth, but they lied unto Him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with Him. You know, just a matter of time, all things get revealed anyways. You know, the worst thing about this in, in Psalm 78, is their spirit gets sour to God. They don't want anything to do with truth. And that's the worst thing that can happen to the next generation. is They don't want anything to do with God. That's the God that you say you love and you, you serve and our spirit and in truth. 2 Timothy 4, 1-4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead of His appearing and His kingdom. Verse 56 talks about not keeping the testimonies. So tonight, can I just ask you this? What is it that the unsaved sees? And so how is it going to be a matter that the generation to come gets to God? Well, I I sure hope that it's a matter they get to God, but it's going to be on purpose, them seeing it in our life. And so I want my heart to be set on Making sure that, I, that I'm showing the generation to come. And that I'm having hope in God. And that it's, that it's a matter that it's praises to Him. And, and it's not a matter of the pouting. That's not, what, that's not my God. And it's also a matter that it is important in a way of not only showing praises to God, but also that our strength is coming from God. And when we're weak, boy, he's strong. And the strength that we have, it's not us. It's God and God alone. And that's what the world needs to see, no matter what, it, what comes into our life. And if they see that, there's a good chance they'll want what they see. And they'll have a desire. And then they'll carry on. Generation, 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 generation. Boy, what a wonderful thing. And you know what we say? Wonderful of the works, God. Wonderful. Boy, you're a wonderful, God. And may God help us to give him the praise and honor that he's so well deserving of.